Welcome to the Reset Podcast. I'm Liz Tran, an executive coach to founders and CEOs of fast-growing tech companies. And I attribute my success to my spiritual practices, which are rooted in mindfulness and Zen Buddhism. In this podcast, I combine business advice with spiritual lessons to help you lead a courageous, authentic, and fulfilled life. Hi, everyone. Welcome to the podcast. First off, I wanted to thank everyone who signed up for the newsletter in December, all 1,000 of you. I'm so happy. I have been working really hard to try to create differentiated content on the newsletter versus the podcast versus Instagram. So I'm going to be intermittently doing bonuses just for newsletter subscribers. In January, we did a manifestation guide, which a lot of you wrote me and said was super helpful. And in a couple months, we're going to be doing a little guide about astrology and your career, which should be really fun. It's one of my favorite topics. So sign up. There is a link in the show notes, and I will make sure that you get something really fun and hopefully helpful in your inbox for February. Now onto the good stuff. Today, we are talking about habits that help you love yourself. And this is apropos because not only are we in the first month of this new year, 2023, but we also have Lunar New Year today, the exact day that this episode is coming out. Lunar New Year starts today. And we also are finally out of Mars and Mercury retrograde, which have been going on for the past several weeks. And so there's this feeling of even though we are three weeks technically into the new year, according to the Gregorian calendar, this week should feel like a fresh start, a true new year, a true new beginning. So now I wanted to share some of what I've learned through trial and error over the past couple of years about how to establish healthy habits that not only work, but also help you love yourself. And that last part of loving yourself, I think is so important because we are really fed by society, all these messages that we need to change our habits and we need to improve because we aren't good enough as how we are in the current moment. So we are propelled to change based on this feeling of inadequacy or not enoughness. We're not thin enough, so we need to diet. We're not pretty enough, so we need to do more beauty routines. We're not smart enough, so we need to sign up for some sort of continuing education classes. We're not productive enough, so we need to change our routines. And I wanted to make this episode because I'm very against this notion that we need to change because we aren't good enough. And the new habits that we adopt every new year are meant to make us a better, shinier, more lovable version of ourselves. And the reason why I'm against this for myself, for my coaching clients, for everyone, is because one, it doesn't even work. This type of motivation through inadequacy and insecurity doesn't actually lead to long-term real effects. And secondly, it just doesn't feel good. Constant critique, picking ourselves apart, always looking for ways that we can be better. That's not how any person should have to live. We all have so many special gifts within us. And when we focus too much on analyzing and fixating on what we can do better, we lose sight of all the amazing treasures that we already hold within us. 
And so what I want to propose today is a new way of embracing change that is not rooted in insecurity or inadequacy, but rather is rooted in a deep sense of love and acceptance for ourselves. Okay, so here's how I think about it for myself. I'm sure we're all familiar with the trope of good cop, bad cop that you see in movies where the bad cop is the one who's trying to get a result via threats, coercion, making the person feel like they don't have any other options and they're in a bad place. While the good cop is the person who is trying to get a result by telling the person that they care about them, they see them, they're on their team, and they're on their side. So we're all well aware of this dichotomy between the energy of good cop and the energy of bad cop. And the overarching feeling, the spirit of what we're going to be learning today, is how to be that good cop for yourself. And also how to bury and get rid of the bad cop in the process. So my first recommendation is to start paying attention to your own thoughts and begin to tag them as good cop or bad cop. For instance, let's say you have a project to work on that you've been putting off and putting off and you know it's really important to work, but you just haven't done it. And there's a voice in your head that says, you better do this. Why haven't you done this yet? You're going to get fired you're letting down your team, you're disappointing your boss, then that's obviously bad cop. And I want you to think about and consider how you can reframe it to be a good cop, how you can get yourself excited and motivated to do the work from a place of motivation and self-love. And that would probably sound a little bit more like, hey, you can do this. You know you can do this. And it's going to be great. As soon as you sit down, you're going to have a great time and we're going to make sure that you have the best experience and then this project is really fun for you. So thematically, when you're building habits, you want to channel the good cop. You want to reward yourself and motivate yourself through positive reinforcement And psychological study after study has shown that positive reinforcement is so much more effective than negative reinforcement. Even take a second to think about the people in your life who have been most motivating to you. Maybe it was a teacher or a parent, a mentor or a sports coach. Think about how that person encouraged and cheered you on. Think about some of the memories and some of the ways they pushed you. And of course, this person cared about you. Of course, they saw the best in you. I think about someone who was my guidance counselor when I was in high school named Mrs. Albright, and she really believed in me. She was the first person who basically ever told me that I deserved for my dreams to come true. And she's also said to me that I could go to any college that I wanted. She pushed me really hard. You know, she helped me to figure out how to apply for financial aid, for applying for colleges. She helped me figure out all the forms. And she even hired me to babysit her kids and she paid me a little bit more than normal babysitters because she knew that I needed the money. And while she wasn't always easy on me, there were times when I messed up and she called me out on them or there were times when I wasn't pushing myself as much as I could be and she made sure that I knew what she thought. But the overwhelming feeling that I got from her was that she cared deeply about me and she saw the best version of me. 
she was like a mirror to this version of myself that I couldn't see at the time. She cared about me. And in fact, I really felt that she loved me. So now I want you to think about the person in your life who has played a similar role of mentorship and guidance, and I want you to channel them whenever you start to critique yourself. So as you build these habits and you start to work on them every day and you feel tempted to criticize yourself or put yourself down, then shift into being the good cop. Shift into that energy of that person who is like your own personal Mrs. Albright. Okay, so that was the first step for building habits that help you love yourself. And now we'll move on to the second step, and that is to rewrite your identity. And this step actually comes from the book Atomic Habits by James Clear, which I'm sure many of you have read. I just recently picked it up for the first time. I'd always been a little bit resistant because... I was like, what's the big hype about this book? Who cares? So what? But it was actually surprisingly good. And there were a few nuggets that I took away from it. And this is one of them. And essentially what he postulates is that real behavioral change comes from a shift in identity first. If you think of yourself as hardworking, then you're already going to spend a lot of hours pursuing your dream. If you think of yourself as a healthy person, you're going to make healthy choices when it comes to what you eat and how you exercise. If you consider yourself to be a generous person, then you will naturally be inclined to volunteer more and to help others. And the same is also true conversely, where if you think of yourself as an unhealthy person or a lazy person or person without any willpower, then it's going to be so much harder for you to establish the habits that you want. And so many of us hope that through the diligent practice of these habits, we will eventually begin to think of ourselves positively, to see ourselves as hardworking, as healthy, as ambitious, as giving, as kind. But really what we have to do is start thinking about ourselves in that way now, even before those habits are formed, because that rewriting of your identity, that new way of thinking about yourself will actually be an added benefit and boost to help you be able to stick to your habits. And I have really felt this working in my own life. And just to give you an example of what I've been working on, I've actually been working on having better habits for the past five weeks, and I'm going to actually continue to do that for the next five weeks or so. And just to sort of catch everyone up with why I'm doing this, I found out some really sad news in November, and that was that the embryo transfer that I had done did not work and had ended in a very early miscarriage. And this was super disappointing for me because at that point it had been three years of trying to get pregnant and we had used up three out of four of the embryos that we had gotten. And our doctor originally had said, oh yeah, you have four embryos, you're guaranteed to have a kid. And it was becoming really clear that that actually wasn't true. So all of 2022, I had thought, okay, this is finally going to be the year after many, many years of trying for this one thing and all this heartache and ups and downs, this is finally the year where it's all going to work and all my hard work will pay off. And then the year came and went with a lot of sadness and it wasn't true. We'd have to 
actually start all over again in 2023 and do another egg retrieval, which I'm actually going to be doing next month. But this time I would be 38 instead of 37. Another year would have gone by. And of course my eggs aren't going to be as high quality or as abundant as they were my earlier years. And also on top of that, you know, some of the hopefulness that I've been preserving through all these ups and downs had disintegrated. And so this time it's been so much harder to will myself to get excited about making all these habit changes that I've always done in the past to prepare for IVF. So eating super clean, no sugar, no dairy, no gluten, no alcohol, etc. Trying to get a lot of sleep and trying to do some gentle exercise, either yoga or Pilates every day. And I've done this in the past. Every time I've prepped for some sort of fertility treatment, I've really jumped into this. And this time I kind of felt like, what's the point? I've had all these failures in the past. Why even try? And so that's when I reached out to read Atomic Habits because I knew I needed some more support for what I was doing because obviously these new healthy habits would be really important for helping to get a really good outcome for a really expensive, time-consuming process. I wanted to get the most bang for my buck and my time. And so I read Atomic Habits and I started doing everything in the book to a T and I saw some real improvements. And the biggest thing that I got from this book is what I'm talking about now, this idea of rewriting your identity. So instead of continuing to tell myself that I don't want to do this, I don't want to change my habits, I'm doing so begrudgingly, I started telling myself that I'm already a healthy person that I'm already living these habits that I want to have. And it's helped a lot. Last night I had an 8.30 p.m. Pilates class and it was freezing outside. I really didn't want to go. I was so cozy in my house. But then I used this identity trick and I said to myself, I'm the kind of person who shows up for a workout, rain or shine, cold or heat, no matter what. And of course, this has not been true historically in my life. I've been the very opposite where any sort of cold weather or rain gives me the excuse I need to stay in. And I did it. I went to Pilates class and I felt great afterwards. And it's been the same as I've been trying to change a lot of my eating habits so I can reduce inflammatory foods for my diet. But it's so tempting sometimes to have pizza or a Vietnamese sandwich, the things that I find to be really comforting foods. And I just tell myself over and over again, I am a healthy person. I am the kind of person who doesn't put toxins into their body. I love my body. I'm the kind of person who treats it like a temple. And at night, on days where it's been especially hard, I write these affirmations over and over again. I write, I'm the healthiest person I know. I love my body. My body comes first. I treat my body with the utmost care and reverence that it deserves. And you can see how rewriting your identity dialogue actually helps to support step one, which is to treat yourself like someone you love, to be the good cop in your life, right? So last night I had two choices. One choice was to be the bad cop. I could have said, hey, don't be lazy. You already spent money on this class. You have to get up and go fight against who you are. But instead, I channeled the good cop because I had rewritten my identity. And I said, oh, of course I'm going to go. I'm the kind of person who never misses a workout class. So now just take a second to think about what habits you really want to establish 
And what is the identity that is connected to those habits? How do you want to rewrite the way that you have been seeing yourself? And what is the new identity that you are going to step into starting right now? Okay, so now let's talk about the third step, which is that you should make your habits feel good. (laughs) You should enjoy doing them because when we like doing things, we do them over and over and over again, and we can persist in doing them for a very long time. But when things are actually not enjoyable and don't feel good, then why would we ever want to continue doing them? As an example, I've had a lot of clients this year talk to me about how they want to establish a better meditation practice for the new year. And they say, you know, as much as I try, I just can't get into a rhythm or a habit with meditating. And the first thing I always ask them is, okay, tell me about what you're doing. Explain to me what your current practice is. And then I say, do you like it? (laughs) Do you actually enjoy it or not? And most of the time they'll say no, but I think that if I can keep going, then I might actually enjoy it in the future. And the advice here is you need to choose something that you can enjoy right now in this very moment, because that's the only thing that will stick. That's how you build a habit that helps you love yourself. Otherwise, every time you sit down to meditate, to do something that you don't like, you're just punishing yourself. You're saying to yourself, oh, you need to do this thing that you do not like because it's good for you. But what that mindset misses is that there are ways to establish a win-win where you're doing something that's really good for you and you can also really enjoy it in the process. Okay, so now the question is, how do you make habits fun? And the first thing I'll say is that whenever possible, choose habits that you like. For instance, I won't go to yoga class if I know that there's a teacher who I'm just sort of lukewarm about. I try to really make the schedule such that I'm going to teachers who I really love. And that really helps the process because I begin to have a very positive association with yoga. And so if it's diet or exercise, any new habits you want to develop, see if you can choose things that are inherently enjoyable and avoid the things that you just really are never going to like. So with eating, I actually love sweet potatoes and I don't like so much leafy greens. So I've been making this amazing soup that has lots of sweet potatoes and also folds in some kale and other greens that I don't really taste that much. For eating gluten-free and dairy-free, then I've actually found some really great substitutes for those things that give me the same type of texture or feeling that I want without actually eating those two inflammatory foods. And that way, I'm not fully giving up on the things that I like. I'm still able to give them to myself while sticking to these habits. And the second piece is that if it's something that you're doing that you're really never going to inherently enjoy then make everything else around it really enjoyable. So make it a sandwich of fun. Pat it on the sides with things that you like. And for me, this is doing my invoices in a timely manner every month. I hate QuickBooks. I hate sending out invoices. But I make it really nice where I'll make myself a really delicious smoothie, some snack I like. I'll actually put on a TV show in the background, something that I think is really funny that maybe I've watched before. And then I make the whole thing really nice. I'll do the invoices while I'm sitting on my couch wearing my favorite comfy sweat clothes. 
And that way, I make every other facet of it enjoyable, even if the actual act itself is never going to be fun for me. And a final suggestion for how you can make habits that help you love yourself that are also fun is to do habit tracking. And habit tracking is essentially where you create a grid and you give yourself a check mark <laughs> for every day that you do that habit. And it sounds super easy and so insignificant, but it actually creates this amazing dopamine hit where you essentially give yourself a pat on the back, a gold star, some achievement, some praise every single day when you do that habit. It's just like when we're in grade school and you do something that your teacher wants to reward you for and you get to put a gold star next to your name. And at the end of the week, if you have 10 gold stars, then you get some sort of reward. I think when I was in elementary school, it was like you get to bring home a book or a toy for the weekend, or you get to do show and tell, something like that. So what's that adult version of accumulating gold stars for you? And for me, at the end of every day, I give myself a little check mark in my notebook where I've tracked at this point the five and a half weeks where I've been doing these habits. And then I look back on all those other check marks and I feel really warm and fuzzy. And then I also write in my journal everything I did that day that was healthy. So I'll write no gluten, no sugar, no dairy. I exercised, I read a book, whatever it might be that feels like I'm building positive habits for myself. I really call it out in my journal and I write, I'm so proud of myself. I did it. This is great. I'm a healthy person. I've done this now for four days. I've done this now for a week and a half. I've done this now for 20 days. And so whenever I have even a little tiny baby milestone, I will celebrate it to myself because that is the way that it feels fun for me to be recognized and rewarded for all the good work that I'm doing, even if it's just coming from me. Okay, so just to recap that third step of make it fun, then one, make sure that you're choosing things that feel good for you. If you have the option between one style of doing something that is less enjoyable and one style of doing things that is more fun for you, then always choose the one that feels good, even if it seems quote unquote less effective or less productive. It will ultimately wind up being far more productive because you're doing it on a more regular basis. The second way to make it fun is to put it inside of a fun sandwich. So if you don't actually like doing the actual thing, then make sure that the rituals that you have to do before it and to close up after are really enjoyable and find ways so that your lived experience of doing it is really enjoyable, even if the act itself isn't. And then finally, what we just talked about, give yourself those gold stars, do your habit tracking, allow yourself regular intervals and moments to pat yourself on the back and to reward yourself and recognize all the great work you're doing, even if it only means, wow, today I did not eat dairy. I ate gluten, I ate sugar, I drank a lot of alcohol, but at least I didn't have dairy. When you give yourself that positive reinforcement, when you become your own biggest cheerleader, then everything becomes infinitely more enjoyable. Okay, so now the fourth step for creating habits that help you love yourself is to embrace the slip-ups. 
And not only should you not expect yourself to be perfect, but also don't be hard on yourself when you do mess up. It's not a big deal. In fact, it's not even messing up. You're just taking a break from your habits. So over the past 38 days where I've been habit tracking, then I've actually not done what I wanted to do (laughs) a lot of the time. So nine of those days. So if you do the math, then I've been great on 76% of the days and not so great 24%. And to anyone who's looking at this, you could easily say, okay, Liz, you're not doing very well. One out of every four days, you're not actually following your habits. But there's also a flip side of looking at it, which is the way that I choose to look at it, which actually makes these habits able to have more longevity. And that is to say that I think it's great. Whenever I've taken a break from my habits, I've needed that break. And I've gone right back into my habits afterwards. And for me, being able to live in this way that I want to, three out of four of the days seems like a huge achievement considering that I was doing it zero out of 39 days before. And now to be doing it 30 out of 39 days feels actually like a huge win to me. And because it feels like a big win, it makes me want to get up every day and keep going because I'm proud of myself. I feel like a winner. I feel like someone who's done something good in the world. And that's always going to make me want to keep going versus feeling like a failure, a loser, and someone who has no willpower. And this was actually another point in Atomic Habits that I really liked. James Clear, the author, says that as long as you don't do that break two days in a row, then you're totally fine. So let's say you take a break from your habits for one day. You needed it, right? That's great. Enjoy it. But don't do it again the next day because then that quickly turns into a negative spiral downward and you feel like, oh man, I messed up. I already disappointed myself. Who cares if I do it again? Since I already failed, I might as well keep going. But by committing to never breaking habits two days in a row, you get to continue this upward spiral of feeling good every day, knowing that you're improving your life. You look at yourself and you think, I did it. I'm doing it. And I'm going to keep doing this moving forward. Okay, so that's what I have for you today. The four steps for creating healthy habits that help you love yourself. And as a final reminder, I want to just reiterate that creating healthy habits isn't about fixing yourself. It's not about improving what's flawed or defective in you, but rather healthy habits are about creating a joyful and fulfilling life for yourself, one that makes you really happy. And it's not about changing all the things that are wrong. It's about you choosing a life that makes you feel like the best version of yourself. When you choose habits in a way that helps you love yourself, you move away from those voices of inadequacy and insecurity that tell you that you're not good enough. And you move into a mindset of self-love and self-appreciation where you say, you are already amazing. And these are the things that you deserve in your life. So now in 2023, can you be that motivational, encouraging voice that loves you unconditionally.
Thank you so much, everyone, for listening. And as a final recap, remember that the four steps are one, to be the good cop. So make sure that that voice in your head is encouraging and motivational, not demeaning and criticizing. Step two, rewrite your identity so that you see yourself as the person that you want to be today already. Tell yourself that you're healthy. Tell yourself that you're hardworking. Tell yourself that you're generous and watch as you show up as that version of yourself. Step three, make it fun. And you can do that by choosing activities that are only fun, by sandwiching activities you don't like inside of two sides of fun, and also habit tracking, which is a really great way to give yourself those dopamine hits and reward and recognition that we need whenever we're trying to make change. And finally, step four, remember that you should embrace your slip-ups. Never get mad at yourself when you need to take a break from your habits. And instead of focusing on how you slipped up or how you needed a break, then instead focus on all the many days where you showed up for your habits in the way that you wanted. I want to send everyone here who's listening a big podcast hug and happy new year, happy lunar new year, happy 2023, and may everything you want come true. See you all back here again in two weeks.